Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Well, come on, if you love Jesus, can we make a little bit of noise in this place real quick? I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, hey, I know it's kind of a little bit like Catholic Church, but do you mind jumping back up on your feet uh, really quick? Just in honor of God's word, we're going to stand together in order to read that. We're in this series called I Love My Church. Somebody shout, I love my church. I love that. And I just want to just tell you how grateful I am that you're here. You could be doing anything else, but you're at church. And I just love what we've been rallying around this idea of, of kind of who we are as a church, right? We're in a new season as a church. But what, what I want to just make sure is that we have the same culture, right? The same things that we say that we are about, that we're going to be about, even though we have a, new, a different facility. And so we've been talking about that over the last few weeks. And today uh, we get to just celebrate our three-year birthday together. And I'm so thankful for you. But this is what the, uh, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22. And this is kind of where we just, uh, again, are getting our whole idea for today. Uh, as far as it being a party, I want you to understand it's coming from Scripture. Matthew chapter 22, verse 1. If you're ready for God's Word, say, I'm ready. ready. That was decent. I said, if you're ready for God's Word, say, I'm ready. I like it. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew 22, verse 1. It says, Jesus also told them other parables. And he said this, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated. So Jesus is saying, hey, I want you guys to understand. If I could put a picture around heaven, what the kingdom of heaven is like, let me tell you what it's like. This is what the Bible says. He goes on to say, illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast, a.k.a. party on purpose. Come on, somebody, right? For his son. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. And so he sent other servants to tell them, hey, listen, y'all, everything's ready. The feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fattened calf have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. Come to the party. And I just think today, this core value that we're going to talk about today, and I'm excited to talk to you about it, uh, is this idea of celebration is our response. Celebration is our response. And so I, I just want to pray for us and just believing that God is going to speak to us today. So if you feel comfortable, would you just stretch your hands towards heaven? Let's pray together. God, we come to you today, and God, we just thank you so much for our time that we get to just lift up your name. It's your name that it's all about. It's your name, King Jesus, that we want to elevate and honor and sing about and glorify. And God, we're just so thankful for today that we can come in this place and we can have an opportunity to just sing your praises. Not only that, but just hear your word. God, I pray every single word that's spoken today will go to honor you, to lift you up, to make much of you today, King Jesus. We love you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're building. Thank you for the hearts that you're stirring, the love that people are, are, are encountering, the, 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 just, I believe, just what the Holy Spirit is doing in this place right now, we just better get ready. So we're so thankful for that, Jesus. It's in your mighty, awesome, powerful, holy, magnificent name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. One more time, if you love Jesus, can you make a little bit of noise on your way to your seat? I love that. I love that. Give somebody some knuckle bump beside you and have a seat, have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. I love that. I love that. I love that. 
Well, I'm so glad again that you're here, and we've been in this series, I Love My Church. And so just to kind of recap, maybe you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, I'd encourage you, go check it out online. Uh, the last couple of weeks, what that's looked like, it's going to be on there. Uh, and so I would love to just have you check those out. Maybe you don't know, uh, but go to our website or go to our YouTube page and check those out. But I'll just tell you a little bit, just kind of recap of where we've been and where we're going today, if that's all right. Everybody good with that? All right, all six of you. Sounds good. Praise God, right? Uh, okay, so the last couple weeks, the very first Sunday that we were able to meet in here, we had a chance to just talk about Jesus as our point. And again, it's one of our most important core values. It's the most important core value that we have, right? And the fact that we want to do whatever it takes in order to point people to Jesus, to get them, like, like literally understanding that everything that we're doing, it's all to just gather around the name of Jesus. It's all to point to Jesus that that is going to be our mission as a church. Amen or oh me, church. Come on, right? That's the thing that we're going to be about. And so not only that, but then we talked about people are heart. Uh, we talked about the fact that, you know, we're willing to do whatever it takes to go after people that may not know about Jesus or may not have ever been invited to church. And, and then last week we talked about faith is our reaction. And again, faith is our reaction in the fact that, that you know what, there's some times in life that we got to step out in order to find out, right? That we talked about Peter stepping out of the boat. And again, that we got to be willing to do the ridiculous in order for God to do the miraculous. And so we're believing that as a church. And I'm looking around uh, a lot of at, at a miraculous bunch of faces in this room today. The last two services have been full. And I'll just tell you, we'll do whatever it takes. We have to add a service. If we're able to do that, we're going to do that. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure that we're getting people gathered. Don't y'all like it when it's like a traffic jam to get into church? Come on, somebody, right? I like that. I love that so much. And so, again, I want to talk about today this core value of celebration is our response. Celebration is our response. And so, again, I think for a lot of us, we need to understand uh, this idea of celebrating. And we kind of understand how many of y'all love celebrating stuff? Come on, somebody. How many of y'all love birthday parties? All right. How much we love? We love we love when Kentucky Wildcats win a game. Come on, somebody. Right? We love when the racers are 20 and 2. Come on, somebody. We're going to celebrate that. Our racers are doing that. I love that, right? We're going to do a lot of stuff. We celebrate in life a lot of times. Like, that's kind of our response. Well, I want it, and I think it should be the idea that we as a church should have a response of celebration. Like that should be our, our, our response. And I want to just kind of prove that to us today, coming from scripture, that, that, that a party on purpose should be every day of our life, celebrating what Jesus has done. And I think about it, and I can't think of any better chapter in the Bible than to go to Luke chapter 15, is kind of the whole idea of where this idea of, of celebration is our response comes from. Not only that, but if you go to the story, how many of y'all have heard the story of the prodigal son, right? We've deemed it as that, but that's where all of our core values come from, that we want to do whatever it takes to make sure that, that everything is coming from Scripture that we're going to preach to you, but I want you to know, too, that, that our core values even come from Scripture as well. And this idea of this entire chapter in Luke chapter 15, talking about Jesus and talking about why he came. And so I just want to give us a little bit of context, if that's all right. Uh, I feel like I'm stepping on like, I feel like we've shredded like 48 chickens up here on stage. You know what I'm saying? Like just feathers everywhere is what it feels like to me. So if I slip and fall, just go with it, all right? Um, but, but I'll just tell you really quick, like, like this idea of, of John or Luke chapter 15, where Jesus is speaking and where he's talking to some people, you got to realize that there's some, the, the word about Jesus had gotten out, right? And so what had begun to happen was people were starting to, to understand that Jesus was doing certain things. And he was like, oh, oh, I just got to get in the presence of Jesus because there ain't no telling what's about to happen. Like, man, what is, is he about to do? What is he about to speak? What is he about to say? And so we see that happening in scripture right here as the word about Jesus is getting out. And what begins to happen is people start talking about Jesus, right? 
right? They start talking about him, and they start saying, hey, you know what? I don't even know what he's about. Like, why has he come? Like, what, like, really, is he doing that with those kind of people? Is he really hanging out with those kind of people? And people began to criticize Jesus. So the very first um, verse of Luke chapter 15, which we're not going to read every single verse in this whole book. I'm kind of giving you an overbook or an overview today of this chapter. But I want you to understand that, like, like this week, take some time. Take 10 minutes and go and read Luke chapter 15 at your house, all right? Read that. Be encouraged by it. And again, that there is a lot of great stuff in there that's going to teach us that celebration should be our response as a church. But we got to understand that from the very beginning, people are criticizing Jesus. Look at what verse uh, 1 of chapter 15 says. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the religious leaders or teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Like, And in Jesus... His response, obviously, what is his response to them is, let me tell you guys a couple stories, right? How many of y'all love a good movie? Anybody out there love a good movie? That's a story, right? We all love stories. We love this idea. And Jesus does the exact same thing. He begins to tell a story. So Luke 15 kind of reads as this one big story in three different sections, right? And so we're going to read some of those today. I'm going to kind of talk to you about those a little bit. But again, some theologians believe that this, this chapter in the Bible is, is Jesus' defense to everybody that was throwing criticism his way. Everybody was saying, you know what, you shouldn't be doing that, or you shouldn't be eating with them, or you shouldn't be going there, you shouldn't be doing the things that you are doing. Luke 15 was a response from Jesus to them saying, hey, this is why I've come. This is why I'm here. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. And, and I just want to give you guys kind of a little bit of a heads up real quick. Guess what? Sometimes people are going to criticize us as a church, right? Sometimes they're going to criticize me and Allie or whatever it might be. Sometimes you for coming. And I want to let you know that the, I think instead of necessarily fighting back or rebuttaling or doing whatever, we got to do how Jesus did, right? We got to just, I, I like to say it. I had a, a teacher in high school that literally on her, uh, her wrist um, had a tattoo, let my game speak. And in a Jordan symbol, I was like, you are a baller, right? Like she's a baller. And, and like, so she had that on her arm. And I think that's the same way when it comes to our life and our church even is like, you know what? Let's let our games speak. Let's let the, the core values not just be something on the wall. Let's live them out. Let's be a church that points people to Jesus. Let's be a church that literally has people as our heart, that does whatever it takes to respond with faith and celebration. Like, let's, let's be about it, not just say we're about it. Come on, somebody, right? Y'all, y'all with me? Everybody good? This means yes in Kentucky. Come on, if you don't do nothing else, it's yes in Kentucky. All right, good. So, so I want to, again, challenge us with this idea that you got to know what Jesus, like who Jesus is talking to in this room. So kind of just to get the context of Luke chapter 15, where we're going, kind of what's happening in the situation, realize that Jesus is speaking to two different crowds in the room. And so I, I want to kind of just play a little, like we're going to divide the crowds down the middle today, okay? Just real quick. So we got over here who Jesus is speaking to, y'all are the notorious sinners. Welcome to church, all right? Like that's this side over here, okay? Over here we got the Pharisees and the religious law teachers. Okay, so that's y'all. So if you can just imagine for a second, just kind of just kind of wrap your mind around this idea of what Jesus is speaking to in the room. He's talking to like tax collectors. Like I'm not talking about just an IRS dude. Like I'm talking about like a mobster. Okay, I'm talking about like you can't pay. Guess what? They're taking your family. Okay, like you can't do this. That's 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 the kind of guys that are on this side of the room. Again, welcome to church. Really glad you're here, right? So we got we got no, notorious sinners. Like like I want you to understand, they're known for sinning. 
Like they're known for sinning. They're known by their sin. They're notorious sinners. And you also have prostitutes and everybody else is on kind of on this side of one of the room that Jesus is speaking of. And then you look at the other side of the room and you got these guys that on the outside look like they have it all together. Right? You got the Pharisees that on the outside, man, it looks like they got it ready to go. But on the inside, they are whitewashed tombs. They are empty. And I want you to know that Jesus is speaking to them. And he begins explaining to them, this is why I've come. This is why I'm here. This is why I, I, I'm trying to point you to God, which is me, is what Jesus is saying. And so he begins to tell a couple stories, which I love storytelling. I like that. So we'll kind of just roll through that today together. And the first story that Jesus begins to tell is this story about a hundred sheep. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, bad. No, don't do that. Don't, no, do, do not do that. That was a bad joke. Okay, sorry. It's a dad joke. Like, just, I'm a dad of four. It happens. Okay. Um, so, so. So, like, there's a hundred sheep, right? There's a hundred sheep, and then you got to realize that Jesus is telling the story that the shepherd is there, and one of the sheep's, sheep's, is that even a word? I don't know. Uh, we're going to say it is today, okay? One of the sheep's decides to wander away. Uh, I am highly uneducated, and yes, I am the real pastor. There's not an older guy coming back next week, okay? <laughs> this is it. Okay. Um, so, a hundred sheep, one of them decides to wander off. One of them decides, you know what, I'm going to go find something else. I'm going to kind of get some isolation. I'm going to come and do like my own thing. I'm going to get focused on the wrong thing. And what as you begin to read the Bible, what you'll understand and what we begin to see is that Jesus oftentimes refers to you and I as sheep. And I would like to say that that's a compliment, but it ain't, okay? You want to know why? Because sheep are dumb, okay? I'm just going to tell you. Tap your neighbor and say, you were, don't say, don't do that, don't do that, don't do it. But I want you to know something. Like at first, like, oh, Jesus, sheep, that's nice. No, wasn't a compliment, really. I want you to understand that sheep are some of the, the, the dumbest, <laughs> I hate to say it like that, but they're some of the dumbest animals on the planet. And they have terrible eyesight. So they're practically blind. But I will tell you something that sheep are really good at. They're good at listening. They're good at hearing. So I think it's so great that Jesus in the Bible, how he always connects things. He's reminding us that life is not about what you see. It's about what you hear. That faith is not this. Again, as we talked about last week, that faith is our reaction. The Bible tells us that faith does not come by seeing, but faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. Right? And so again, that's why Sundays are so important in here together. That's why going and getting involved in a crew. That's why getting your student involved in Purpose Youth. That's why getting yourself as an 18 to 25-year-old involved in Purpose you. That's why doing all of those things is important because what you're doing is we're gathering around the Word of God. And as we're gathering around the Word of God, we're hearing the Word of God preached. We're hearing Scripture talked about. We're praying. We're doing those things. And guess what that's doing? That is building faith on the inside of you. So I'm going to challenge you. Get involved. Get plugged in because I'm telling you it's so important that we do that. And again, not only are sheep blind and not only are they, they they're pretty not smart, guess what? they also stubborn. How many of y'all know it's one thing to be not smart. It's another thing to be not smart and stubborn. You know what I'm saying? Like you ain't, you ain't making the wisest decision, but ain't nobody telling you nothing, right? Like you can imagine that that's kind of what sheep are like. And again, you got to realize that sheep are so stubborn that what they'll do if they stay in a certain spot for long enough as they're grazing, uh, that they will eat every single blade of grass in that certain spot. And then guess what? You know, when you eat, they, the, the sheep, they will have some excrement. They'll have some poop that happens. Guess what they will begin to do? They will begin to eat their poop until they die. That's how dumb and stubborn they are, right? And Jesus says, you and I are like sheep. Come on, that's a great thing. Thanks, Jesus. I appreciate that. But I, I want to just challenge us really quick. What I think Jesus 
was trying to share with you and I is the fact that there are some people who think that they can make it on their own. There's some people who think that they can find fulfillment in other things and they wander off and they find themselves lost. And yet what the good shepherd does that we just sang about just a few minutes ago in being Jesus, and he refers to himself as that in John, he leaves the 99, and what does the good shepherd go after and do? He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And what I believe Jesus is trying to speak to you and I, what I believe he's trying to instill some faith in some of us in this place is to understand that God is obsessed with lost things. You need to write that down, that God is obsessed with lost things. And Jesus is trying to get that across to us. And I want us to understand we're all that way, right? So are we. We're obsessed with lost things. Hey, have you ever noticed that your whole house can be in order, right? You can have everything together in your house. But if you got one thing missing, how many of y'all going berserk? Come on, somebody, right? I think we all are. I'll tell you in my house, our house, um, uh, it's Allie's house. I mean, I just, she's beautiful. She gets to like decorated. I'm just, I'm, we, we have a house together, obviously, and our kids together. And uh, our house is crazy. Um, I'll just tell you, it's fun. It's wild. But let me share something with you. Our son, he's four years old. He is like obsessed with cars. Like, I'm not talking about like just, like, you know, just any kind of car, like Disney Pixar cars. Like, life is a highway, right? Like that kind of cars. Y'all didn't know I could sing and rap. Come on, somebody, right? What is this? Uh, um, and uh, so he is obsessed with it. All right, that, that is his motto for life. His life is a highway. Like he just loves it. He knows every one of their names. We're playing in the floor with them every day. And I'll just tell you, he is so OCD when it comes to some of these sometimes. He knows exactly where every one of them are. And I'm just telling y'all, if one of them's lost in the McLean house, guess what? It is no holes barred. We're doing whatever it takes to find that little thing. He's spitting, snotting, crying, wondering if his little sister stole it. I'm talking about we're doing whatever we can to find it. We also I have two twin girls um, that, that are a year old. And guess what, y'all? We're passy people, okay? So, like, baby's got passies, okay? And I'm just going to tell y'all real quick that when one of those passies is missing, it's May Day in the McLean house, right? We are finding that passy. They can't sleep without it. They can't, no, no, no. We're doing whatever we can in order to find the passy, okay? And then guess what? When we find it at the McLean house, y'all know what it is? It's party time. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are, we are celebrating the fact that we found the lost car or we found the passy or whatever it might be, right? There's going to be celebration in my house when a lost thing is found. Why is that? Because it's that which is lost. If it has any value, the very first response is to celebrate. That's our very first response. And, and watch what the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, that the shepherd leaves the 99. And, and God said, God, Jesus is telling the story. He leaves the 99 to go after the one lost sheep. And so, again, what is God trying to tell us? I want us to understand that God loves everybody that knows him, right? God loves everybody anyway, and he loves the 99 to have a relationship with him. But what I want to challenge all of us today is God also cares about going outside of these doors into a community, into a city and gathering every lost sheep that you and I know in order to gather them to the person that is Jesus, who is the good shepherd. And I think that that's a big deal. And I think that's something that us as a church, we're going to be about is going after the lost sheep that nobody cares about, that everybody thought was just too far gone. We're going to be a church that's committed to doing that. Come on, can we give Jesus a big shout of praise in this place for that? We're going to be a church that does that. And I'll tell you really quick, I think about what happens in this story. The shepherd finds the sheep. Okay, so what happens is when he gets on his cell phone, next thing you know, he's calling everybody. He's saying, hey, let's throw a party. Found a sheep. Watch what it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 6. It says, rejoice with me, a.k.a. 
party with me, aka celebrate with me because I have found my lost sheep. I love that. I love that. But, but in my head, and again, just go with me for just a second. I don't think, like, I, I think about this and I look at it and I'm like, that makes no sense to me, okay? It like makes no sense to me that literally we are talking about the fact that, that this guy right here, this one sheep is not worth like the, the cost of throwing the party that he threw, right? Like the money that he had for the party, he could have bought himself another sheep. Yeah. Everybody there with me? Right, everybody going there with me? But I want you to understand that this is the gospel. This is the Jesus that we serve. This is the God that we serve. That you and I were far off from God. He didn't just say, oh, I don't want nothing to do with them. I want to discard them. I'll just replace them. No, he said, I will send my one and only son. His name is Jesus, who's going to live a perfect life. Who's going to give his life so that I can buy them back. I'm about lost things. God is obsessed with lost things. Is there anybody thankful that you were once lost, that I was once lost? But thank God that God sent his son Jesus and if we put his faith in come on I think celebration needs to be our response for that Come on. I love that. I love that 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 should be our response Thank you God that you sent your one and only son and if I would believe in him I'll not perish but have everlasting life. That is such good news. And I want to be a church that celebrates in faith. That we throw a party before the altar call because we have the faith that if God saves one It's worth it if God saves one, it's totally worth it. It's what, like loading in and loading out for three years. You sure it's worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. Giving, giving away 10% of our income as a church that we bring in to away immediately. Like, is it worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. You know why? Putting Jesus on the level of kids with song and dance and just having fun in the back. Is it worth it? Absolutely, it's worth it. You know why? Because it was worth it to God to leave the 99, to go after the one, and then throw a party that costs more than the one. Why? Because our God. God's obsessed with lost things. And again, I want to be a part of a church that's obsessed with lost things. That not just the lost things that are important, but guess what? It's believing in faith that those lost things are going to be found. And then that parties are going to happen whenever those lost sheep come to home. Somebody shout, it's worth it. It's worth it. I want you to understand over the last three years, we're celebrating year three, like, like the last three years. We are three years old today, right? And we are celebrating the fact that 191 people have come to saving grace in Jesus. Come on, I think Jesus is worth a bigger ovation than that. Come on, give it up for King Jesus in this place. That 191 people were lost broken, busted, far from God, and yet they walked into a middle school for a few years, they walked into this place for a few weeks, and they've said yes to a relationship with Jesus. That's the God that we serve. He's coming after us. He's not leaving us to figure it out on our own, because God is obsessed with lost things. That's point number one. Y'all good? Everybody okay? Point number two, I want you to keep going with us. It's a story number two, and it's this parable of the lost coin. It's this lady that has this coin in her house. She's got ten coins, and what happens is one day one of them comes up missing right and she's going to do what what does she do if you read luke chapter 15 which you're going to this week that's your homework right right i would encourage you what she does is she flips the house upside down until she finds the one coin guess what we're all the same way right we're all the same way can you imagine for just a second that you had ten thousand dollars in your bank account Woo, that sounds good right now don't it lord help us but can you imagine for just a second that all of a sudden a thousand dollars went missing out of your account Guess what's going to happen? You're going to find that thousand. Come on, somebody, right? You're going to take earrings off. You're going to pull weaves out your hair. You're going to do whatever you got to do because you're going to find that thousand dollars. Who took it? Who's got it? Come on, anybody else other than me in the room is going to do that. I'm going to find out where that thousand dollars went, right? I think all of us will do that. 
We're going to we're, we're go after the lost thing. I want you to understand that, that, that I think Jesus uses this analogy when it comes to speaking about money. Because we all know money has value. But so many times we put va- more value on our money than we actually do on people. And I just want to challenge all of us. When this woman lost this one coin, she stops at nothing. She did whatever it took. Why? Because that's what I want you to write down. Lost things still have value. Lost things still have value. Just because it's lost doesn't mean that it's lost its value. Just because you can't find it, just because it's busted, broken, doesn't mean that it's lost its value. And I want to kind of illustrate that to us for just a second. I have a uh, crisp $100 bill in my pocket. Come on, somebody, right there. A fresh Benjamin right here out the bank yesterday, okay? And I think about this right here, and I think about uh, this $100 bill. For just a second, go with me. Can you imagine for just a second, though, like this, this bill right here was given its authority from the U.S. Department of Treasury, right? So like the thing that created it gave it the value of $100, okay, right? That's $100. That's what I like to say. It's $100, all right? Can you imagine for just a second, if I were to just crumble this thing up, how much do I have in my hand still? $100. Come on, everybody. Everybody, it's an all-skate participant. How much money I got in my hand? $100, right? Can you imagine for just a second? I took it on the ground. I did a little stomping on it. I'm with you. Can you imagine for just a second? I'm stomping on it. How much money is this worth? $100 still at the same time. If you can imagine for just a second, if I took a pen and I started like coloring mu- mustaches on Mr. Benjamin. I'm not going to do that because we're on camera right now. That would be really bad. Don't come get me. But can you imagine for just a second that I did that, right? Imagine for a second that I, I decided to color on her. I wrote my name on her or whatever I did, right? How much money do I still have here? $100. Can you imagine if this dollar bill, this $100 bill got lost somewhere in the, in the, in the laundry or whatever else? How much is this still worth right here? It's worth $100. And again, I think about that. And I want to challenge all of us in this room that it doesn't matter what you do to it that determines the value of it. Some of you have walked into this room and you are taking the value of your life from the value that the world is putting on you. But I just want to remind some of you today that your value is not what other people say about you. Your value is actually determined by the price somebody or something is willing to pay for you. So I want you to know that Jesus Christ valued your life enough, my life enough to say, you know what? I'm willing to give up my life for them. I'm willing to die for a relationship with them. So again, stop letting the world tell you what your value is. Start understanding what the word of God says your value is. And you are invaluable to God because he gave his son for you and I. Come on. Is there anybody thankful that just because you're lost doesn't mean you've lost value? I love that. I love that. I'm looking. I'm looking. Generosity is our privilege. We talk about it next week. I'm looking. I'm looking for somebody to give this. I'm about to shoot out this cannon just wherever it goes. It just, come on. I'm, I'm going to give this. Follow me on the camera. Can we do that? $100. Next. Oh, that's for you, brother. All right. Come on. Give it up. Give it up for that guy right there. Got $100. Love it. Love it. Okay. So I, I want to I show us this in scripture. Luke 15 verse 9 says, when she finds it, She'll call in her friends. Come on, can we get security around him the rest of the day? I'm just kidding. I know some of y'all eyeing him real quick. Okay. I want to, I want to have a church. You got, you got to just watch yourself a little bit. I like that. She will call in her friends and neighbors and watch what she says. Rejoice with me. 
party with me, celebrate with me because I have found my lost coin. And in the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repents. How many of you know that there are people in our families, in our friend group, in our coworkers, our community, that it may be our lost, crumbled, stomped on, written on, thrown by the wayside, but just because they're lost doesn't mean that they, have, they don't have any value. And the fact is that Jesus put a value on them. He was willing to put his life on for them and up for them and so again we need to be people we need to be a church that celebrates the fact when one lost one comes home when we find that one lost thing again God's obsessed with lost things lost things still have value and when they're found it's time to throw a party and the last story that Jesus tells in this scripture in Luke chapter 15 you're going to read it this week as you read it it's the story of the lost son now, a lot of times we talk about it and we say it's the story of the prodigal son and for many of us, that's what we've titled it. That's what we gave it the title of. But that's not what Jesus said it was. It was a story of the lost son. And as you read this, what you begin to realize that both sons in this story are lost. Right? Both the Pharisee son, the older brother, and also the brother that's, that's on the other side, the younger brother. They're both lost. And to me, this is representing the two different people that Jesus is speaking to that are in the room. Right, The two different people, as he's in that room speaking and talking, he is doing things, he is saying things to these two crowds that are in the room. And this is Jesus speaking to both of them. you got tax collectors on one side, other notorious sinners, and you got Pharisees on the other. And again, Jesus is trying to get his point across to us. He's trying to tell us, why have I come? It's about a relationship with God, no matter who you are. And I can imagine for just a second, Jesus begins to like lock in on the tax collector side. I can just imagine the other notorious sinners that are there, and I can just think about it for a second, that he begins to tell the story about this one son that comes to the father and says, hey, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want all of your inheritance. I want everything that I'm going to get whenever, I, uh, you know, I, I, whenever you die. That would be great. I'd like to have that now. And I love that the father doesn't push the son away. The father doesn't do it. He lets the son have his inheritance. And, and what I think of is so crazy in that custom of that time, the older brother should have got two-thirds of what the actual uh, inheritance would have been. And the older or the younger brother would have got one-third. But how many you know if you read the story, he divided it in half? What I love is that even when we don't want, even when, even when we are, we're thinking, man, I just want, I, I, I want my share, I want my whatever. God gives us more than we ever could imagine. God gives us more than we ever thought that we could even ask for. And I just think that's something powerful from that scripture. But what happens is the father grants his wish and his son goes off. And the Bible says he squanders it on wild living. Right? He, he squanders it on wild living. And I just, I just think what's so crazy about this whole entire story is that the younger brother he goes out and he, he's, he's living it up. He's living it in wild living, the Bible says. And, and he comes to a point where he runs out of money, where he runs out of, of anything that he has. And he finds himself in the darkest, uh, I mean, the depth of, of his entire life, like the lowest point he can find himself in because he finds himself uh, going and feeding pigs. Now, again, I'm a chicken farmer. I'm not dissing our pig farming brothers, right? But when Tosh Farms comes down 641, y'all know it for about 15 minutes. Come on, somebody, right? I mean, them trucks come down, right? But I want, I want you to know something really quick is that for a Jewish person, I want you to know that this is the, like, the lowest of lows. Like, you got to understand that they, they thought anything like a pig, anything that had a split hoof was a, uh, an unclean animal. And they wanted nothing to do with it. And we find this young man right here lost it all at the lowest of his life, and he's not just serving the pigs. Guess what? He's eating right beside them. He's eating right next to them. 
We find that happening. We find that taking place. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, if you'll read it this week, you'll know that there's this clause in there. It says, he came to his senses. And I love that because to me, it says he came to his senses and he decided to go home and offer to be a servant. He's like, yo, my dad's servants, they live better than this. My dad, like, I, I, I'll take this as a scraps off the table from my dad's house more than I'll do this. And what he begins to do, he comes to his senses and he turns around and he starts to head home. And to me, you know what that is? That's a picture of repentance. Right, it's a picture of a repentant heart knowing that we have searched for everything, for satisfaction in all the wrong places, that we would get fulfilled in everything else. But it's a moment where you come to your senses and say, you know what? That didn't satisfy me. There's only one place that can satisfy me, and that's in the presence of my Father. And I just want to challenge some of us that maybe some of you need to repent today. Maybe some of you need to turn and start to and give your life to Jesus today. And you need to start on your way home, which is what that son does. The son starts on his way home. And if you could just close your eyes for just a second, I want to paint this kind of this picture to you. Is that this boy is on his way home and he begins walking uh, on this road. And, and, and I think about this long journey back home because it said that he was in a distant land, a far off land. And if you can just, just picture it for just a second, eyes closed. If you can just picture it for a second that, that this father is sitting on the front porch. I can just imagine him in a rocking chair you got to understand that Father in this story is just a representation of God. He's looking out for his son. When is he going to come home? If he's coming home. And I can just imagine this dad sitting there in a rocking chair, country house. I can just imagine kind of the horizon. You know, one little paved road right down the center. And then all of a sudden you see like this, you know, I just kind of just go with it in, in your mind for a second. Like this movie picture quality of, of like the sun begins to set. You know what I'm talking about? And then like the road is it's kind of got some, the, the waves of, of like the heat are rising up off of the horizon. And I can just imagine this dad sitting there for a few minutes. And he's done it day after day after day wondering, hey, when's my son coming home? When's he going to turn around? When's he going to come back? And I can just imagine this one day in particular that there's this little bitty speck that begins to happen right in front of that sun. Right in front of that, the sun that's setting, and there's a little speck, and he's like, no, 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 surely I got something in my eyes. Surely, I mean, I'm not seeing this right. Surely there's something else that's in the distance, and that, that little speck begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger. As that son is walking towards him, finally the father, the Bible says that he realizes it was his son. And what's the father do? He begins to take off in a dead sprint towards his son. He runs as hard as he can towards his son, and he gets there. Okay, y'all can open your eyes now. Some of y'all be asleep in just a second, okay? And if you can sleep during my sermon, God bless you. You need the rest, okay? Like you just need to sleep. Let them sleep, all right? But, but I think about that, and I think about this idea that this father goes sprinting towards his son. He goes running towards his son. And as he gets there, this son has practiced this sermon all the way there. You know, thinking, okay, I'm going to tell my dad. I know I've done this. I know I was wrong. I know I, 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 I wasted all of this. I wasted this time and this money and this energy and your inheritance. I wasted it. And he's practicing this speech that he's going to give when he gets back to his father. And as his father's sprinting towards him, he wraps his arms around him. The son starts to give the explanation. And the father stops him in his tracks and says, no, 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 no. Hey, hey, listen, y'all. Hey. Listen, won't you bring him the rope? Like, you got to understand as he hugs him and he kisses him, this boy probably still smells like a pig slop, okay? He probably still smells terrible. Probably just, he, may, he may be coming off of a high or, or, or a, a drunkenness or whatever. He may still smell like it. And the father embraces him and loves him and he kisses him and says, Hey, bring the rope. Bring the sandals. Bring the ring. 
And what begins to happen is in that moment, the son was trying to earn his worth. But what I want you to understand by the significance of that ring that he put on his finger and the sandals he put on his feet and the robe that he put on his back is he was restoring his rightful place as a son. And what I want you to understand, you are a son by birth, not by worth. You can't earn it. You can't do it. That's why the Bible tells us that we have to be reborn. That's why the Bible says we have to ask for forgiveness. We have to have repentance and be reborn. And you're a son or a daughter by birth. And so what begins to happen, and I love this passage of the scripture right here, is the fact that Luke 15, 23, it says, watch this, the dad starts hollering out to everybody. He said, all right, bring the robe, bring the, bring the ring, bring the sandals, come on, put it on my son's feet, watch what happens. And kill that fattened calf that we've been fattening. You gotta understand, they've been feeding this calf the whole time, fattening it up with the faith believing that the son was coming home. Woo, that'll preach right there. If you understand that the whole time they were feeding this cow, believing that the son was coming on the other side of it, fattening it up. Wow, that's crazy. And then watch what he says. We must celebrate with a feast, right? We got a party with a purpose. You know why? For the son of mine was dead, but now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And watch what the Bible says. So the party began. And I just believe as a church, if we're going to learn something from the life of Jesus, the story that he was telling is that church should look a whole lot more like a party than it does a funeral. Why? Because we serve a risen Savior who saw me in my dead place, who saw me when I was far from God and said, you know what? I'm obsessed with lost things. I don't want you to be out there on your own. I'm going to send my son, Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going to send my son Jesus. He's going to live a perfect 33 years on this earth. He's going to go to a cross. He's going to stretch out his arms to show how much that he loved us and he valued us and he cared about us. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes because you may be lost, but you've not lost your value. And you're worth my son to me. Is there anybody thankful for that kind of God that came after you? Come on, give it up for Jesus. Why don't you jump up on your feet and give King Jesus a big ovation? Come on, as you stand up, can we give it up for God one more time? Give it up for Jesus in this place. I love that. I love that. And there's more to this story. Obviously, this older brother, he's mad about it. He's mad and outside. He's not even coming into the party. He's upset. Why is, this, why is my dad doing that? I worked here forever. I ain't even got a young goat. Let me just challenge some of us really quick. Isn't it crazy? That the younger brother got a fattened calf, sandals, robe, all, all of that, right? And the older brother was willing to settle for a, a, a coat when his father owned it all. And I just think so many times what we do is we settle for so much less than what God has for us. And I just believe that with my whole heart, there's some people in this room that we're settling. And we need to step into what God has called us to. Today, that's a relationship with Jesus, first of all. You gotta have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He brought you to this place. I mean, I don't know what your, your background looks like. I don't know what your life looks like up until this point, but I just understand, want you to understand that you are here for a reason. And the name of this church is Purpose Church because we really believe that every single person has a purpose, that God has a plan for you. And that first step of the plan is salvation and knowing Him, having a relationship with Him. And again, let me go back to the story really quick. The older brother refuses to go to the party. But what I love is that the father still goes outside to meet the son. He's outside the city. He's not worried about it. He's like, what's that? No, it says that he heard the singing and the dancing. Y'all know they're dancing loud if you heard it loud. You know, they heard the dancing. That's a lot. Of, that's like stomp the yard. You know, whatever, right? 
And the father goes out to meet the son. And what this just begins to tell me again is that it doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done, how long you've been there, whether you are the prodigal son that has ran far from home or you're the son that stayed close to home, but you are empty on the inside. I want to challenge you. You have a father that loves you, that cares about you, and wants you to know I am here for a relationship with you. That's the God that we serve. That's why it's a party. That's why church looks different for us. So I just want to ask you in this room, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're in this place and you've never said yes to that relationship with Jesus. I just want to challenge you that today is that day. Today is the day that you need to say yes to Jesus, that you're here for a reason, that you're in this room for a purpose. And I believe that God wants to change your life today. There's something that's been said, not by my words, but because the Holy Spirit can do it. And I believe that He is speaking to someone in this room. And maybe you're watching online. And maybe that's something that is going on where you're watching and man God has just pricked your heart and you need to respond to the gospel today and the gospel is this that we couldn't earn it we couldn't be good enough we couldn't you know we, we couldn't stay close to home enough right we couldn't come to church enough in order to earn the love and salvation that Jesus offers so maybe you're in this room maybe you're watching online and you've never said yes to that offer here's the offer I want to give you it's not my offer it's Jesus's offer that if you will repent of your sin Excuse me, if you will turn from your righteous or turn from your, your, your sin, you'll say, Jesus, I'm putting my faith and trust in you. You could say something like this. You could pray it. You could say it word for word. You could just mean it in your heart. Just say something like, Jesus, I'm giving you my life today. I'm giving you my heart. I ask you for, to forgive me, to come in my life, to save me, help me live for you from this day forward. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for getting out of the grave. I'm going to put my trust in you today. If that's you watching online or you're in this room and you need to respond to the gospel of that and you did that just then you said yes to Jesus I just want to challenge you I want to encourage you and we have our prayer team that's going to be up here on the front uh, uh, side walls uh, uh, up here towards me and I want you to know that there's that connection card that's in your seat and maybe you just said yes to Jesus would you uh, just fill out that card and at the bottom would you check today I said yes to Jesus would you be willing to do that today I said yes to Jesus at the bottom just check mark that and as you do that would you begin to go to where our team is up here at the front there in the front half of this room on either side of the wall. And I'll just encourage you, if you made that decision today, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to move. I'm, our, our cert team is going to move. They're not going to exit the room, but they're going to kind of get in those positions as well. So you're not even going to be the only one moving. So on three, one, two, three, would you just move? Would you just move if you made that decision to follow Jesus? And if you're watching online, listening on the podcast, would you text 270 229-6488 and all you got to do is text the word purpose to that number 270-229-6488 I love that I love that purpose church can you lift your head can you put your hands together believing that it's worth the one it's worth the one if you believe that come on let's give it up for King Jesus thank you so much again for listening to hear more messages like this one make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends it helps out so much for more content and information head over to ourpurpose.church we love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose